What these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and this is your Best Bets episode for Monday, February 26th in the Association. We'll give you best bets on what is a truly disgusting slate of hoops, but we're going to give you some quality best bets here on the show. And then we got lots to talk about on this Futures episode with the Future Jays, Joe Delera and Jim Turvey. We're going to talk about the Mavericks and whether we're it's an opportunity to still buy low or if we are have a chance to sell high on them. We're going to look at the MVP race in brief in relation to where it kind of stands now. I've been doing a lot of work on that. And we'll hit on some teams. If we got time, we'll hit on some teams that maybe it's a buy low opportunity for. Everything we talk about can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. You can track your picks. You get updates on our live shows. We're going to be starting taking buckets live next week. Next week. I have meetings tomorrow to figure out how we're going to do it. It's going to be great. We're going to take buckets live at night when we record it. Um, and we will do like, a section of the show talk about what we saw on that night and then we'll talk about later on about we'll do best bets same format in the podcast sections but if you do want to catch the live show go to youtube.com slash the action network and sign up i also haven't told jim and joe that we're doing that so <laughs> surprise um so we're gonna start doing that the week after i'll talk to you guys more about that later um so uh youtube.com slash the action network let's get right to it this slate just just to run down this this really rough slate. We have a bunch of, we have a small slate. We have four games with many, many, many back-to-backs. We have Raptors, Pacers. Pacers are a six-point favorite. Total 246. Knicks, Pistons. Knicks are 11.5-point favorites. Total is 223.5. Nets, Grizzlies. Grizzlies are a one-point dog with a 214.5 over-under. And the Kings are taking on the Heat with half of their team suspended. Kings are a 7.5-point favorite. Total is 226.5. Gonna be a props night, I can already tell. So, Jim Turvey, what are your best bets for Monday? I've got Malik Monk over 16 and a half points. I've got Caleb Martin over on his points, rebounds, and assists. There's no official line out there, but I'll kind of talk through how to uh, approach that. All right, Joe Dallaire, what's your best bets for Monday? I like Jaden Ivy over 13 and a half points against my New York Knicks. All right, uh, I'm putting two half unit plays. This is these are half half plays. I'm doing the over in Nets Grizzlies over two fourteen and a half. I'm gonna do it. I'm taking the seven and a half with the zombie Miami Heat because that that that'll be a fun game to sweat. Uh, <laughs> let's start with Jaden Ivey over thirteen and a half here, Joe. Because what 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 is this line? <laughs> yeah, I, I think the lines are just like a little bit of an overreaction to that eight point game he had against the Orlando Magic. When we look at uh, Ivy's game log, it's not like his usage wasn't there either last game when he pl- only had eight points. He had he was three for 18 or three for 14, rather shooting the basketball still had a 25 percent usage rate. So one of the things that I wanted to do when I looked at this prop was let me look at what his history is playing like at least say. 20 minutes it kind of gets out some of the like unreliable games or whatever just based on his role where the Pistons are doing now he's hit this in 21 out of 30 games when playing 20 plus minutes looking at like the more recent history averaging 18.1 points 
So if you can't get the 13 and a half, if we move this to 14 and a half by the time you listen to this, that's more than fine as well. Um, I think this is a really good spot against a New York Knicks team who is very, very thin right now. Um, and it's been like a major problem for New York. Uh, look, over the past couple of weeks, we normally look at New York as having like an elite defense. Over the last two weeks, obviously this is a little skewed with the All-Star break, New York has the fourth worst defensive rating in the NBA, 124.5. Not great. Not great. Uh, we are there are one in five since Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart started a podcast. So maybe they should leave the <laughs> podcasting to us. And, uh, you know, we're going to take Jaden <laughs> Ivey to go over 13 and a half points. <laughs> yeah, I think particularly interesting here is how much Jaden is a, is a straight line driver and the yeah. Celtics tore them to pieces at the rim. Like they yeah. really need Mitch Robinson back. Like that's holding me back from putting in plays on the Knicks is like, they they couldn't get a center at the deadline, and I don't blame them for that. It's a tough market to try and get a center in, but they need one. Like they just need some rim protection. And someone kind of mentioned that Isaiah Hardenstein hasn't really been the same since the Achilles no. kind of kicked up, and because of his mid yeah. restriction and stuff like that, that's a real issue. But regardless, like they're gonna have to figure this out. You got to be able to defend the rim a little bit, and that's a struggle for for them right now. So I'll go ahead and I'll tell Joe on this thirteen and a half. Jim, uh, let's go. You got t- we have we have three plays here on yeah. what is a truly disgusting uh, game. So let's get into it uh, because. The Miami Heat and New Orleans Pelicans decided to exchange pleasantries the other night on the court with a little bit of a brouhaha. Uh, Jimmy Butler suspended. Nikola Jovic is suspended. Uh, Najee Marshall suspended. A bunch of people are out. Josh Richardson's out. Terry Rozier's still out. This is the zombiest heat of the zombie heat. Uh, you've got two plays in this game. Let's start with Malik Monk over 16 and a half points. Yeah, this is the more straightforward of the two. Um, so he he has one of he's one of those players that kind of he is streaky and it's you know, that's hard to to keep track of if you're if you're a book. But he's in a hot streak right now. He's averaging twenty point four in his last nine games. He's cleared this number in eight of those last nine games. He's also streaking in terms of usage and minutes as well. So he's on an upward trend in terms of minutes and usage right now. I think they really like to when he is hot, keep riding that hot hand. Um, this is also a back-to-back for them. And one thing I noticed is that his minutes go pretty notably up in back-to-backs this season. He goes up uh, from 25.9 overall to 30.4 in back-to-backs. And it makes sense. He is a, a bench player. You want to rely on your bench maybe a little bit more in those back-to-backs. He has more of a potential ceiling to add on to those minutes. Whereas, you know, the main starters who are maybe going to be a little bit more tired on back-to-back, you're going to rely on them a little bit less. So adding together that he's in a... He's in a, a great heater right now. Um, back-to-backs typically more mean more minutes and more points for Monk. Um, and that this is a Heat team that, you know, this could go many different ways. This game could could be close. And I actually kind of lean towards taking the points with the Heat with you. That's like zombie Heat is like a classic take the points with them. But if this gets out of hand, Monk, you know, he can get minutes with the mop-up unit as well. So he's a little bit more, you know, uh, script proof than some of the other guys in this game. So add that all together and I'm on uh, Malik Monk over 16 and a half points. Yeah, I like it. I, I think um, Monk, I think is actually, uh, he's moved to the favorite for six man of the year. I actually think that's appropriate in a market that we've never been able to crack this year. We just haven't been able, we've given out like so many guys and we're just like, 
I don't know. Um, I think he is probably gaining momentum now. I will say, like, usually the books are not based off of anything, like, substantive. It's just kind of, like, an estimation of where the market could be at or, or where there's been movement in terms of uh, of handle. But I do think it's kind of interesting there. Um, it does seem like it's a pretty good matchup for them with um, so many injuries for the Heat. Um, the Kings will probably try and make this more of a, an offensive game because they're on a second night of a back-to-back. That does lead me to, I'll take Heat plus 7.5 here. Look. Um, the Kings are three and five ATS on the second night of a back-to-back, and this is going to be such a huge letdown spot. They're facing the Clippers yeah. uh, on Sunday night as we're recording <laughs> this, and then they have a back-to-back at home. It's a good spot at home on a back-to-back for sure after the All-Star break, but this is a, such a huge letdown spot. Like you're going to look across there and be like, okay, no, but no Jimmy, like no, no Rozier. There's no Kyle Lowry anymore. Like they are just not that. This is not the same kind of team that you kind of expect. Um, and so I do think that's like going to have to be part of the equation here for what this looks like for them. I'll also say that as I'm looking this up right now, the Kings at home uh, this season when they are versus a team that is under 500 and you say the Heat are not under 500. No, but this is a team that would project to be under 500. Equivalent. If you look yeah, at yeah. how they where where they've got with the rest of the roster, the Kings are actually five and eight ATS this season at home uh, versus teams under 500. So if it's the one win profile, uh, I have this projected actually with the Kings as a very, 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 very slight dog. If this team, if both teams were fully healthy and there's no way for me to get the seven and a half with the guys that are out, I can't take, even with the, if you add up all the heat players that are out, none of those guys matter enough to be able to get me to a seven and a half. So I'll go ahead and I'll take it and I'll just trust in the zombie heat to hang within the number and somehow backdoor this Jim. Let's hit your other one really quickly. Cause I know Joe's got some thoughts on it as well. You like Caleb Martin over points, rebounds and assists. What's the cap on it? Yeah. I mean, a, a big part of this is that it is a zombie heat team. Um, Tyler hero picked up an injury last game. He's questionable. Terry Rozier is questionable. There's a, there's a possibility he comes back. If he does come back, I see it as a minutes limit. The bigger thing to me is hero. I really want to wait to see if hero is officially in or out. Um, I'm going to probably like the Martin play regardless with Butler out and Rozier on, on a likely minutes limit. Yeah. But I want to make sure that I don't bet this then hear that, um, uh, that Rozier is, is back and it, you know, it, or hero is back or something. Wait on this. You're, you're going to be fine because so to, to, to give a little, um, context to Caleb Martin and how big his usage usage swings can be last time hero was out for a while. Martin had a six game stretch. Uh, where he was in the starting lineup. Those are the only six that he got starts in. He's likely to get a start in this one. He averaged 17 points, 8.2 rebounds, 3.7 assists. Those are massively above what he's averaging for the season as a whole. I really don't think the books are going to be able to hang a number that is likely to match the the usage and and field goal attempts that he is going to get in this game with a, with a zombie heat lineup. All these guys are out. They might hang a pretty high number. But then that's even more usage in points and field goal attempts uh, out there for Martin. So I think this is one where, you know, you, you can't blindly give it out. I, I definitely want to see maybe they, they're they really onto it and they they cracked the code and they, they figured out Caleb Martin. But in all likelihood, this is going to be a number that I'm really liking um, with the, the matchup, fast paced Kings uh, and also just, you know, a zombie zombie heat lineup that is really going to have a lot of opportunities available for Martin, a player whose usage swings greatly based on on who is in or out for the heat. Relatively yeah. quiet season for the uh, really the, quiet the Eastern Conference uh, Finals MVP runner up. So <laughs> uh, maybe maybe this is his time, much like Jimmy Butler. Maybe he's just got, got that by osmosis, and it's his time. We know Brian Fasecco was was telling us about how to take Jimmy props uh, this time of the year. 
can't do that in this game, obviously, because, well, Jimmy decided to get into a fracas. Uh, <laughs> Joe, I know you like this play as well. Do you have anything to add on that one? Yeah, just, you know, like if Caleb, Mar- if all these other guys are out, when Caleb Martin's played 30, 30 or more minutes, so he's done that in 14 games this season, it's averaging 14.8 points per game. You'll probably get this prop pop out pop around like whenever we see some lineups and some injury updates so you're going to want to turn on like your notifications probably for like fantasy labs keep us like in the action app twitter on x as well uh those are definitely looks and i just was while we while i was listening to you i was thinking of another play that i did want to that i did want to touch on real quick from the same game i am probably going to be looking to take a keegan murray points prop um his home road splits are crazy this game is at home uh he's scoring 18 points per game at home compared to like 12 on the road um and he has torched miami in a couple games he's played three games against miami uh he scored uh in the one game that he played this year 33 points in 38 minutes he had another game of seven uh, but that was in miami and then the other game the prior game was back in uh early late 2022 he had 22 points at home against miami so it's definitely an angle that i'll be looking at considering miami gives up like the third or fourth most most three-point attempts in the league and that's spot keegan murray could take advantage of I'm going to go ahead and play the over 214.5 in Nets and Grizzlies. Now, the Nets have scored something like not a lot of points lately. Uh, They've... They, they they have the look of a team that has given up on life, which, A, hard to believe them, uh, to blame them. In the month of February, uh, they are averaging 103.8 points per game. And in the last few, here's their to- point totals, 86, 93, 86, 110, 123, 95, 107, 98. So, uh, yeah, the Nets have, have surrendered this season, and then that's fine. Um, however, a th- couple things here. This is just like, look. Some of this is just simply, I have to play the math here, of the Nets are still one of the top 10 teams in three-point rate. They just take a bunch of threes. The Grizzlies don't have any of that veteran experience, don't have any of that veteran uh, star power, don't have any of that. But what they do have is like they got some guys that can score. Like they got they got some dudes that can get buckets like Vince Williams and they've got guys like Gigi Jackson. Like they have guys that can actually like do a little bit in mm-hmm. terms of scoring. So I actually think this is going to be kind of like a summer league game. And I think it's going to be a little bit more high scoring than maybe kind of anticipate. Um, not to say that it's going to be extremely high scoring because, again, Brooklyn dead last 30th in offensive rating the last two weeks. Um, but and Memphis is uh, 26th. So not great there. But look model wise for the season i can't get there and like no desmond bain and all the guys are out i get this is like a, the, my projection is not really the number but this is a pitifully low number in the year of our lord 2024 <laughs> and i got two teams that are pretty much going through the motions i got no reason to defend at a high level uh i'm expecting to, to see some threes i'll put a half unit on the over 214 and a half that'll do it for best bets jim's got malik monk over 16 and a half points caleb martin over pra if terry rosier does not return joe likes that one as well joe's got uh, Jaden Ivey over 13 and a half. I'll take the zombie heat plus seven and a half. And uh, I will also grab the over two fourteen and a half and a half in nuts versus Grizzlies. This podcast is proudly presented by bet MGM use bonus code action when signing up to get $158 in bonus bets. When you bet $5 for new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
let's talk about some futures. Um, so I want to start with a, a conversation about the Mavericks because I think that's a really just interesting discussion point here. Lucas climbing up the MVP chart, getting a lot of a lot of stuff. He they were on a seven game winning streak until uh, today's loss versus those Indiana Pacers. Who boy are they going to do well for us in terms of our futures that we played on them? Um, so it's it's a shame they lost because now it's hard to be like, oh yeah, like this is a perfect spot to buy to sell high on them. But it's still, I think, a pretty good spot to buy to sell high on them. Um, there's been a lot of conversation about them finishing top four. And I kind of want to like lay this out as far as like what this looks like. So the Kings, uh, the Grizzlies, or I'm sorry, the Mavericks, there we go. The Mavericks, uh, mind you, are at 24 losses. They're tied with the Suns in the sixth spot. That is five games behind the Denver Nuggets, pending the result of Warriors Nuggets. The Warriors are currently up in that game. As, no, I'm sorry. The Nuggets pulled ahead 70-65 as we record this on Sunday night. Um, so there's a chance that they could be a full five games back in the loss column. Now, most people are going to hear like, well, they're only four games back. There is less than 27 games left in the season. All right. Still, that's a fair amount of games. It's like it's over a quarter of the season left. The problem is you have to think not only do the Mavericks have to go on a ridiculous run, like they have to go on a, a really great like 20 and five run here to close you are also going to need the Denver Nuggets to fall off their current pace mm-hmm. because of how far they are back or the Los Angeles Clippers or the Oklahoma City Thunder or the Minnesota Timberwolves. And so it is unlikely that they're going to wind up there. Now, do I think that the Mavericks have a very good shot of making five or six? Yes. I do think they'll be out of the playoff play in tournament. I think they could slip out of that and maybe get into the four or five, which is an interesting, there's a number of scenarios there that are interesting. Um, I want to get Jim's thoughts on it first. Let's start there. One of the reasons that I think you want to wait on the Mavericks is you're like, oh, well, they're still still kind of far back. And like, this is a really dangerous team. And there's all this like uh, momentum around them and Luca and they're, they're a much more complete team now. All that is certainly true. Uh, there is a 13 to one for them to win the Western Conference in the market. However, if we say that they can't get a top three seed, that means that they're in my opinion, based off of the projections that I have, they'll face either the Los Angeles Clippers or Denver Nuggets in the first round. Those are not the teams I want to face in the first round. And that influences my thoughts on this heavily. But Jim, what are your thoughts on the Mavericks, about the spot right now, how to bet them long term? What is your, your feeling on the Memphis Grizzlies? Yeah, so I have some like really zoomed out thoughts on kind of this conversation as a whole and then some very specific to the Mavericks. I'll start with the very specific to the Mavericks because it's kind of what you just said. I I think the West is kind of quietly, you know, I've been saying I want to see the bracket, I want to see the bracket, I want to see the bracket. That is that is where I stand, but it's kind of quietly looking like we're going to get Minnesota, Minnesota and OKC in that one and two. We're going to get Clippers and Denver who are fine not chasing that one and two in the three, four spot which it makes a really interesting setup where these teams are from five to 10, which I think we theoretically think that the Warriors could hypothetically go on a run and, you know, maybe live in the, the top half of that five to 10, even the Lakers um, at times show signs. I'm not, I'm not as high on them as others, but you never want to write the Lakers off. There's a group of teams who will be positioning themselves either into five or six, which would could draw you, you know, the nuggets or the Clippers as your first round matchup. Or you have to go through the play-in, but then your reward might be to play the Clipper or the, um, pardon me, the the Thunder or the um, Timberwolves, which I think most of us would say is the team you want to play. So it gets, do it comes down to like, do you want to be the seven seed potentially? Get to host a play-in game. Get to host two. You you get two games to get a chance 
to play the Wolves or the Thunder? Or do you want to be in that 5-6, but then you have to go on the road to Denver or against the Clippers? I I think that's a pretty interesting conversation. Um, It's one that when we get closer, maybe we can really math out and really start to look at some of these and see what is most important. But the overarching takeaway to me is that Dallas is not in a great spot with either of those. Those are neither of those are win-wins to me. And I really don't see the Mavericks getting up to a four seed. Even if they get up to a four seed, that means they bumped likely Denver down to the five. Even Dallas hosting Denver, I don't want to be betting Dallas. So yeah. there are matchups where I potentially like Dallas. I kind of like if they match up with um, you know, a, a team like an OKC. I guess it wouldn't be with OKC, but maybe if they match up with a team that they that in OKC in a second round where because OKC yeah. relies on like turnovers stuff like that, that this was talked about this weekend that's a team that maybe Dallas can match up well with but again let's let's in that theoretical we can wait and we can bet it then Dallas there's no really great route forward for them that I'm I'm not gonna like as much at the end of the season once I get to see it all laid out so I think and now to, now to zoom out for a second kind of do the broader picture here I do think that one of the hardest things with sports betting is if you, if you follow sports, if you're like a sports addict who's always watching shows and stuff, it's really hard to not be a prisoner of the moment and bet <laughs> the team that is is being talked about in that moment. And Dallas is the buzzy team right now. And there's a lot to, you know, you listen to talk about that. You're like, oh yeah, they, that's going well and that's going well. And if you do that, it's really hard to not have a portfolio at the end of the season. You look back, you're like, man, that was just the month that Dallas was good. And now I'm sitting on a ticket that I don't really like all them. So I think the bigger... What I've really tried to do is, is to not be a prisoner bone. Look for, we'll do at the end of this episode, look for some buy low candidates, the teams that in fact are going the other way, but you can still see a big scale vision of how that team is good. Or if you're really struggling to, to get yourself out of that moment, look for like a secondary way to bet them. Don't bet them to win the West. Look at Luka MVP. If they, if they do charge up the third or fourth, Luka's suddenly in that race and you're getting a much lo- a much more... A thing that maybe isn't being baked in because the sports conversation drives these numbers at times and you're, you'll be constantly chasing if you're the prisoner moment. If, if the sports conversation is being had, trust me, people have bet it and it, the, a number has moved to a certain degree. So I think being able to remove yourself from the moment is really challenging. It's really difficult. If you are listening to podcasts and watching ESPN and the, the buzzy team, you're going to be high on. It's just hard not to, but it's really a skill to kind of remove yourself from that and see separate that that signal from the noise on on those teams. I love this point. It's a really great really great point. It's also really funny for for Action Network as a content company because like I go yeah. on GDD yeah. daily, right? <laughs> and I'll go on GDD three times a week and it's funny cuz they'll be like, "Okay, what do you want to talk about?" and like, "Well, these are the big stories." I'm like, "Okay, how do we bet them?" and I'm like, "Well, you don't." Why not? Because we're talking about them. Yeah. Like the very fact that we're talking exactly. about them means that this is not the time is the teams exactly. that exactly now buying low is an entirely like a different concept. And like, I had these, these conversations about the bucks this weekend uh, with Raheem Palmer over at the ringer about, you know, just talking about like, is this the buy low moment? Or like, do you want to like, do you want to wait? Like, okay, you might be getting a really good price on them, but do you really want to be like, Oh yeah, I got this ticket on doc rivers. Oh no. <laughs> like, is that what, you know, so you have to balance that kind of thing out. Joe, I, th- I think, I think where I'm coming in now, it's entirely possible the Nuggets close like a firestorm yeah. and they just take over and they're the one seed. That's entirely possible. We've seen this before. These teams just like, like they could flip a switch and tear through people over this next couple of weeks. They just blow for, for an example of this. Um, the Nuggets had like 15 total double digit wins this season. That was the sixth most in the Western Conference coming into uh, out of the All Star break. They went back to back double digit just destructions of the Wizards and the Blazers. And you go, well, yeah, it's the Wizards and the Blazers. 
the reason I point this out is that it shows that Denver is gearing up. Denver is like, all right, we need to we need to burn the Jets for three. I always think about like Apollo, like Apollo 13. We're going to burn the Jets for three weeks and then we're going to coast on through slingshot the moon and come on home. Like, that's what we're going to do here. Um, that to me is really relevant. However, like when I project this, I do have it being Thunder one, Wolves two, Clipper, or Nuggets three, Clippers four. That's where I've got the, the West projected right now. I think the spot is honestly the sixth seed. Yeah, Joe. And the reason is, OK, you are likely to get one of those two tough teams for sure. But there's also a possibility that you could wind up with Wolves or Thunder. And more than more notably, you know that you are going to in second round, you will have already faced like the other team above them will have already seen whether or not they're good or not. Yeah. Right. These inexperienced teams like the Thunder or the Wolves, who everyone's kind of like, I don't know, they're going to make a playoff run. Those teams will have already faced probably a really tough team coming out of the play in tournament. So I think six is like the the key spot here. But when you look at Dallas, do you see them? There's a lot that I like about Dallas. I want to get to in a second. But what do you see with Dallas as far as an opportunity to bet them? And I guess for me, my question for you is, Jim, I think handled it very well on the moment and the the bet and the market and all of this. But do you see Dallas as, as having the, the pieces to be able to make a run? If somebody's just like, I just want to bet one team right now. What's the value on Dallas right now, Joe? I'm probably not betting Dallas if I have to bet on one team right now. Um, I don't think, I think Luka is incredible. Um, Kyrie Irving, also incredible. Um, but I just don't think, like when I watch them, I don't know if they really have the right pieces to like line up with some of these bigger teams or like uh these other teams like the, even the Timberwolves or the Nuggets or the Pelicans like one of these teams that has like a lot of bigs right um uh, that's my one concern because like they're running with Derek Lively rookie Daniel Gafford we know that you know he has some of his issues in particular matchups Luke is making him look I think pretty good but at the same time like Gafford as an individual good like defined player but I don't think that he's obviously not in the same caliber as like a Jokic go bear towns like somebody like that so that's my concern with dallas um i i think that the best way to play dallas is going to be to wait and just see who they play and what the bracket like what the bracket looks like um because i think like in a first round matchup if they are playing you know the clippers or the thunder then yeah sure like i could definitely be a buyer on them uh i could definitely see grabbing them at like plus one and a half games because they're gonna have to be dogs in the series just based on the way that the bracket is going to be they're not going to have a like six or seven seed be favored over the two or three it's just i, I think that that's unrealistic un, unrealistic to expect so i'm gonna wait I, like i think that dallas definitely has some tools to push teams or like you know take a series really late but i don't know if they really have the same ceiling to get through the Western Conference in what's realistically like a pretty pretty tough gauntlet. They do match up well. I'll say this: uh, they they they're zero and two versus Denver this season. Denver's a level above. However, they do have some stuff that they can do. Um, the Mavericks, and to a certain degree, this is what's really uh, this is what I'm trying to figure out with OKC. I'm trying to resist buying into OKC. Is like there is a certain type of play style where if you just hunt, if you're just like let's pick out the worst guy defensively. And let's put him in pick and roll over and over and over again. And let's track him down. The Warriors are not good at that. That's not Steph Curry's game. That is, and no matter how much Warriors fans want that to be Steph Curry's game, it's not. There's a reason that they've won so many titles with Steve Kerr coaching. I don't care how stupid you think he is. <laughs> he's a great coach. And it's because they've opened up 
this ball movement offense. It's not what the Nuggets do. The Nuggets, the Nuggets force you into a decision point and then are like, if X, then Y. Um, if you know, or if X, then A. If Y, then B. They make you make an impossible decision where you're going to lose either way. The Mavericks and Thunder, though, are much more. Luca and Shea are gonna get gonna go after whoever that weak spot is. They're gonna go Shea more than Luca. Honestly, Luca sometimes goes after the toughest matchup, which I think is hilarious. He'll literally be like, "Who's the best <laughs> defender? I want him," and then he goes after him. I will break you. Like, there's a Love lot of that though. energy from Luca. <laughs> Shea is very much like, like if the if the Warriors and Thunder play, Shea is gonna put Curry in every single pick. Like, he will go hunt him down and be like, "You're gonna have to guard me, or you're gonna have to blitz me." And if you blitz me, I've got I've got my guys that that can make plays. And I've got enough shooters. Um, so those guys are, I think have an ability to, to really make runs like versus the wolves, for example, <clears throat> you know, with Luca three point volume from the Mavericks as a whole offensively, uh, Kyrie's ability to isolate. And then if you've got Luca, Jaden McDaniels, I guarantee you will fat. Like I will be taking Jaden McDaniels a little preview. If it's wolves Mavericks, which I would love to get, cause it'd be such a good offense versus such a good defense. I'm taking Jaden McDaniels unders. Why? I've noticed that in high profile matchups, he fouls out a lot. He gets in foul trouble because great defender, he's a little handsy. Um, and so that to me is like a, an opportunity to, to circle in on those opportunities. I do like the Mavericks conceptually. I just need to see what this bracket looks like. I don't think it's in the spot yeah. where I want to bet them blind in this kind of opportunity. Now, I've talked a lot about the Thunder and we've talked about Shea. Um, I've done a lot of MVP work. I am in boxed into a corner <laughs> and I could honestly use you guys as help. Um, okay. I, if I've got projections that show who's going to, who's going to be number one in the Western conference, it's going to be Shea Gilders Alexander, or it's going to be the, the thunder by about a half a game. Like it's close. The wolves are very good and they've split two, two and they have a chance for tiebreaker. It's very close, but I have it being thunder one. I, I talked to somebody who is very, let me put it this way. Uh, he's very informed about the MVP race. Um, you could say that he lives in the hay of the MVP race, <laughs> all of that straw laying around. He's got a good sense for it. And we both kind of agreed that if Shea Gillis Alexander gets the one seed, that gives him a very good chance of winning MVP. Yeah. Nikola Jokic has slid a little bit. If we look at the advanced numbers, not just EPM, which I tout on every single podcast that we do here, Shea's got him on a couple or he's very close where it's like, PR is like Jokic, uh, it's MB1, Jokic 2, and then Shea's like right behind him. And so the market still is very much like, no, it's, it's, it's got to be Jokic. Like it's got to be, it's, this is where I've got to be. I think in part because I, I wonder, Jim, if a lot of where the market is at is less of this is how we're capping it and more this is the liability that we have because everybody bet the two-time winner who won finals MVP last year. Like, I'm genuinely wondering if this line is more built less on prediction and more based off of what the handle is, even though I know some of the statistical models like basketball reference think that uh, Jokic is ahead as well. Yeah, this has been an award that I've sat out mostly, and I'm pretty happy to have sat it out. I do think I am coming around to to your corner of shape, still holding value, though. Um and I to your to your direct question of whether this is driven by handle or what they actually believe the perceived uh, you know implied odds are I I don't know hundred percent I think it would be really interesting if if you know we could somehow get those numbers but I I think that there is a sentiment that is is leading towards Jokic but I think part of why I am coming around on Shea is I'm coming around on the Thunder as a as a whole you know we talk about buy low this is kind of like a buy high for me I I kind of have come around on thinking the Thunder 
really do have the the legs to to get to this number one seed in the West, and and maybe even more so, they have the interest to do so. Um, I think the Wolves are certainly going to have the interest as well. And we talked about how if the Wolves finish ahead of the Thunder, even if it's not a direct Jokic ahead of Shea, that might be a very uh, that that might be big for more. It would hurt Shea than it would help Jokic, but it would it would end up with potentially a Jokic MVP. So there's a, there's a lot of factors here, but to to talk about the prisoner in the moment thing again, like. I think if you're high on the Thunder, the way to approach it is actually the Shea angle now. It's like one removed. Um, you know, it's not as big a remove, but or it's Dags for Coach of the Year. So things like that, I do think I am coming around on buying high on the Thunder in terms of the regular season ceiling uh, as the potential one seed. And I, I think that has brought me to to coming over to Shea. I still don't know if I'm going to hop into the market as a whole. It just seems like one that is really tight right now, and it's. It, it seems like the market has adjusted pretty well at every step of of the line of, of this season. It's I do think that the 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 values of Shan. I think there's a lot of uh, good points being made about you know the the person who's second in the, the second straw poll. You know the 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 top the, the top dog kind of spins out by the time it gets to the end of the season. I know Brandon Anderson was talking about that um, the other day. So I I am on you. I am on Shay with you, but. I, I I am still not, if you are like me and you haven't been in this market much, I don't think there's anything demanding hopping into the market right now. Uh, speaking of Brandon, two things. One, um, yeah, he is, he is in the, 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 the most nihilistic MVP place he's ever been. <laughs> talking about, him, about that all day today. And then uh, two, by the way, Brandon, I mentioned this a couple of days ago, Brandon's uh, family is going through some stuff. So I want to go ahead and give a shout out. If you're a long time listener and you know, Brandon, go to his Twitter page, Wheaton Brando, W H E A T O N B R A N D O. Yes. We still call it Twitter here, Joe. And uh, there's a GoFundMe that we set up for his mom. Uh, who's had multiple surgeries for medical bills. So hard time for for Brandon. If he's giving you some good bets, make sure you go check out Brandon's Twitter profile. Hop on over there and uh, help him out uh, and his family out. We want to support them uh, in a tough time. So Joe, the the one of the the Mavericks fans in um, who exist in my mentions with uh, the Bucks fan with too. spikes and spears <laughs> and and torches and flamethrowers. Uh, the kind of the conversation has been like, if Luca gets to 50 wins, he's got to be MVP. This is a tough one, okay? Because it's going to be something along the lines of like, let's say Jokic continues to slide, because I actually think the Nuggets are probably going to dip a little bit. I think they're going to coast. I think we're going to see a lot more rest games for guys in, in this last month of the season. I think they're going to gear up and then coast out. Um, let's take Jokic out of it for the time being. <clears throat> so Luca's at 34 points. That's insane. 10 assists. Nine rebounds. That's incredible. Um, Shea's at 31 points, seven assists, six rebounds. That's incredible. It's just not as incredible as Luca. Uh, Shea's got him in efficiency and impact, and especially on the defensive end. Yeah. One of the things I think that is notable here is that for the Thunder to only, so this is what I just looked up, for the Thunder to only win 55 games, they would have to have a 64% winning percentage, which is five percentage points below their season average. So, like, if the Maver- if the Thunder only win five above Luka, five whole games ahead of Luka in this scenario where they win 50, the Thunder would have to fall off by a tremendous margin. I think that's going to be tough for voters. I think it's going to be very tough, even if Luka gets the four seed with 50 wins, to look at a Thunder team with 55 and go, yeah, no, it's the extra assist there, which, like, I think matter. Like, it's very close because of the amount of production that, sh- that-, that Luka puts in. 
Like they're close in terms of effective field goal percentage because Lucas shot the hell out of the ball this season. Um, but I do think that 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 the scenarios where I look at Luca getting MVP require not only it, it it's not a Luca's gonna catch. It's gonna have to be Luca catches because the other guys drop off big time. And one of them maybe, but I don't know if both of them are gonna fall off. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with right, like where does OKC even finish? If they finish at the top, then I think maybe that change that that should definitely change the nexus because like if Shea and the Oklahoma City Thunder are a one seed, then like Look, they're the one seed. Like he, you know, he put the team on his back. They went out and they got. The, they are the best team in the West. Uh, I think that that's super significant. If Oklahoma City like slides, even if it's not necessarily in record, but like let's say they slide in the standings and they slide to like three or four, and then Luca finishes at fourth or fifth. Then I think it starts changing like the math a little bit because you look at it and you're like, well, they're not the best team. Um, you know, like, what are we looking at here? And then, you know, Jokic still is like crushing both of them in BPM and in VOR. It's like not even really particularly close. Um, so when we look at this, then I think the question for a lot of voters is like, let's say even those numbers come down a little bit, but Jokic still is leading. Um, but maybe like the nuggets kind of cool off or whatever, right? Um, then I think voters have to say like, well, uh, even if Shea is leading in these advanced metrics, then like how do we say he's better than Luka using those that data but he's not but he's also better than Jokic if Jokic is is better so i think that that's like it kind of gets to be like fuzzy math whereas like the counting stats are like very clearly Luka is better like Luka is putting up scoring 35 it's basically almost a triple double with 35 points it's insane um and Shea has been a model of consistency i think they there was some stat and it was like no 40 point games um, but like 70% of his games are over 30 points and he's only had four games under 20 points. So what he's doing is like night in night out, he's giving the thunder the basis to win. But I think like when we like, that's not, that's not always like something that people are looking at, right? Like those are, you know, like that's a consistency thing. Whereas people are like, well, like Luca, Luca dropped a million points against the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and like people sometimes are looking for those big spikes that can swing a narrative. Whereas Shay is just, ultra 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 consistent and i wonder if like if luca does have these like monster games towards the end of the season does that swing it where shea is like yeah he's having he might have 34 35 like literally 10 nights in a row and it's like yeah but that's what luca averages so i think that it's going to be like a really interesting conversation moving forward if oklahoma city does like slip a little bit um and dallas obviously has to improve um but i think from like a counting stat perspective it's not really close and even if it is like a little bit shaded towards shea and the advanced metrics i think it's hard to use that as the qualifier for why he's better than luca when that would definitely show that he's not better than Jokic. Yeah, I think um, so. Here's here's part of the problem. Um, you're right about BPM. VORP is actually connected to BPM. Yeah. So that's like the, those two are Same, always going to yeah. be, be corresponding. Um, one of the things that actually really matters to me is that the Thunder have been better on the floor, even offensively, when Shea's been on the floor. Shea's got a, a higher on-court offensive rating. And like you're very rightly going to go like, yeah, because the Thunder have shot the lights out of the wall this season. Okay, but like that's what's happened. Like Shea gets credit for leading a number three offense in the league. Nikola Jokic is leading the 10th best offense in the league. Like, do I think that the, the Nuggets offense at full strength is better than the Thunder? Yeah, but this is not, that's not what's happened this season. <laughs> this is always the problem is like, you can qualitatively describe something as better, but the evidence is like, but no. Like, who's going to go further in the NBA playoffs? The Denver Nuggets. 
Who's been the better team this season? The Oklahoma City Thunder by a pretty wide margin. It's funny you talk about like the, the moments. You're absolutely right because this is one of the challenges is it's impossible for everybody to watch all these games. Luca's a, I really want to stress, this is the best Luca season I've seen, his command of the game. Like, I couldn't believe he was taking criticism over that 71-point performance. He wasn't even doing it with free throws. Like, I get it's the Hawks, but he was, it was sublime. It was a complete symphony of scoring. He was so unstoppable in that game. However, there are these stretches of every single Thunder game where I see Shea steal, transition, dunk. They get a stop. Shea assist, go down, Shea three point. Like, it, he hits you in these flurries mm-hmm. that do decide the game. It's just that it's not like, oh, yeah, Shea scored 75 or whatever. You know, Shea scored 60. Like, that's not how it works. And so I think it is a little bit different. The two-way dominance I do think matters. This is pr- primarily historically an offensive award. And I have no problem if anybody votes Luca based off of that because you're right. The If we just do, like, PRA, right, points, rebounds, assists, if we just do that. Also, Mavs fans have pointed this out to me, and I do think it's a salient stat. Luca's on pace to average the most points created in league history, even with the offensive bump that we're seeing in this time, which makes all of this stuff hard to put into context. That's an impressive number for you to literally produce the most points through scoring and assists that anyone ever has is a really impressive feat, no matter what your usage is. So um, it is interesting to kind of look at. It is tough to kind of figure out. We'll see how the market continues to evolve. Before we get out of here, real quickly, I want to talk to you both about one team you think that maybe we're in a buy low spot with. I have a real hard time finding this, so I'm very open to your ideas. Joe, let's flip it up and start with you. Is there a a buy low team that you can identify in the league right now from a future standpoint? Yeah, so I mean, the Pelicans are 28 or 30 to 1 to win the Western Conference. Um, I think that they, the, the floor that they have created with the team for the regular season, I think is important. I think it's significant. Uh, they have depth in terms of, uh, like positional depth. Um, so, you know, like if somebody's out, they can kind of fill in for that. Uh, they were managing injuries. I'm saying this as they're like down by a couple points to the Chicago Bulls right now. So this is, you know, <laughs> take this with however you want. But um, but look, like when I'm looking at what they've done over the course of the season, they're seventh in adjusted net rating, plus 4.2, uh, really tied for sixth because uh, the Knicks are also plus 4.2. Um, but New Orleans has been strong all season. Uh, I think that they have a variety of different players players that can really kind of perform well um but they haven't i think there it's the there's always question marks surrounding them after they got shellacked by the lakers in the in-season tournament in a game that you thought they would really kind of get up for and they just completely no-showed so i think that maybe that's part of what's like in people's heads um and the fact that they don't have a ton of playoff experience or playoff success on the team um but i think the number is just too long it's 28 30 to 1 um they look to be Pretty, I think they're going to be wind up being pretty secure in the Western Conference. I think they're going to make the playoffs at a minimum. They'll be in the top eight, so they'll get the double crack at the play-in tournament. Um, I, I think that the number is just a little bit too long. I don't know if I necessarily love them in any particular matchup uh, moving forward, but I think that the number is long for a team that has a lot of talent because if they can you know, get into a rhythm uh, and put it together, they're an extremely dangerous team on paper. Um, but I think it's kind of one of those things like, look, I understand why people might not believe in them uh, per se, but I think at 28 or 30 to one when they're positionally like the same as Dallas, uh, I think that they're, the number's just a bit too long. I don't the Pelicans to me are I think there are short vision teams 
and wide vision teams. And one of the reasons I think that Denver is still a really probably good bet is because Denver is so, yeah, they might have a, a problem with matchup this one or that one, but overall they're going to present so many problems for those teams that they wind up, you know, kind of coming out ahead in a lot of these equations. The Pels are the kind of the opposite to me where it's like, I want a very precise opportunity to bet on or against them. Yep. And my concern is that they keep having these like really impressive stretches where we're like, Hey, we, maybe we can believe in the Pelicans. And then they have like a big marquee spot and they absolutely shit the bed. And I just like, it leaves you with a very bad taste in yep. your mouth. And it's like, Jim's not wrong. And like, that's a recency bias thing. That's a prisoner of the moment problem. Like, me being in the building for that in-season tournament game where the Lakers clowned them for 45 minutes was impactful for me, where I'm just like, <laughs> I do not want to be on the other end of this with them again. Um, but if we get into a certain matchup in a certain playoff series, I'm going to be a lot more receptive to that kind of concept. I don't necessarily want to buy them right now, but I don't think you're wrong that if we're all buying the Mavericks, the Pelicans have actually been more consistent than Dallas this season, yeah. and they do have a lot of weapons, and they are impressive when they're good. Jim, uh, give me a team that you think is a buy-low candidate. Yeah, ironically, despite uh, grabbing my soapbox earlier and talking about how important it was to find buy-low spots, I really struggled to find a buy-low. <laughs> and to be honest, the only team that I that really even semi-qualifies for this, and I think that you and I both think that there's the potential for it to be a even better spot down the road. So I'm not even fully sold on this being the right moment is Denver. And they're not even that short uh, because they, <laughs> I think everyone's kind of like, yeah, let's, uh, we're still thinking they're the best. They, they still have the shortest odds to win the West. They're tied with the Clippers for sure. odds out of the West to win the title. Um, but I, I do think if they go into any sort of slump and somehow that number moves even a little bit, this to me still is my hands down favorite to win it all, even over Boston. Uh, Joe has been handling this in a really, really smart way, I think. So there's certain books out there where you can kind of accumulate bonus bets at a at a decent clip. And Joe, what he's been doing, if he doesn't mind me sharing here, is he uses those to build out his Denver to win the finals, Denver to win the West. That's his portfolio is all these bonus bets, you know, day after day. I think that's brilliant. I think it's a really smart way of a, really a, a bet that I want to make and I, a position I want to have, but I don't want to tie up a ton of money. I don't you know, the numbers is really short, but if you're just getting these bonus bets that, you know, kind of are just, you know, you got to use it that day. You can't think a bunch, just slot it towards, you know, Denver title futures. I really like that as a way of, you know, kind of finding a use, a, a low brain use for those bonus bets that keep popping up. Just slide it towards your Denver portfolio. Cause that's the team to me that is still the team to be. They, they, I, I like the 475. I just don't want to bet it right now. I think we could get a little bit longer if they do go into, you know, a little yeah. bit of coast mode down the stretch. Um, and, you know, want to see the bracket for them, to be honest. There are some matchups out there that could be tough. So I, Denver's the only team that even slightly triggers a, a buy low for me. But um, I, I think you can get a better number probably in, as, as they coast, as we, as we think they, they might down the stretch. I have to be careful about not about avoiding confirmation bias, but I will go ahead and tell you that I have a prediction. The Denver Nuggets will trail in a series at some point in the Western Conference. Playoffs. That too. And I think that at that moment is when I'm going to be like, I'm all in. Like, <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah. Um, um, much like the Denver Nuggets, or by, like the Kansas City Chiefs live by another 15. Yeah. Um, the two that I have, I'll say this, uh, just I'm required by law to say the Miami Heat 40 to 1. <laughs> um, they're not going to miss the playoffs. They're going to get in. When they get in, they're going to be dangerous. 
I don't know what to do with the Bucks. I just like if it's Bucks Heat, what like what am I supposed to do with this? Like I feel like the Bucks are are one bad swing away from a complete like breaking into a million pieces, but they're a much better team than Miami. I don't know what to do about it. Um, you know, Boston, uh, we we've seen it, and you're just not going to be able to really convince me that they're going to be able to create enough separation for it not to at least be a conversation. So 40 to one on Miami, I think does have value. I've already got enough positions, but 40 to one is a really good number. The other one I'll honestly say is like, look, um, the implied number on the Phoenix Suns right now at nine to one is 10% to win the Western conference. How much, like what, what does that work out to? Do, do the Suns have more Western conference championship equity than the thunder or wolves that's a question i think you need to ask if you think the thunder and because i i want to kind of put this other odds bet out there because i think it's really important at the at bet mgm um you can get division win of winning team here so think about this if you think the suns have more championship equity than the wolves or thunder Mm -hmm. then you should bet the suns here at this spot if you think that the wolves and thunder both have more equity than the than the phoenix suns do to win the western conference the northwest division is plus 290 you get okc oh that's nice minnesota and denver that's pretty nice plus 290 so like that needs to be i think part of this equation is like if you real if you are just like no i think the thunder and wolves have like a five percent chance combined to win the western conference then you, by ve- that very nature, you have to think that the Suns have a great... You can't say, like, oh, the Mavericks pick up all of that, or the Lakers pick up all of that, or the Warriors. The Suns have been better throughout the season. The Suns made the second mm-hmm. round last year. They have Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and they've been kind of like... They've, they're, I'm not impressed with the Suns, but they're still where they are. They're still in sixth spot. There's a very good chance. Like, and you can't be like, well, the Suns could wind up in the play-in tournament. Sure, but like the other teams that we talk about, like the Mavericks and the Pelicans and the Lakers and the Warriors, all those teams could be in there too. So you, I do think I'm writing this article that's kind of a choose your own adventure. If you think that the, the Suns have more championship equity than the Thunder and Wolves, you should bet the Suns. If you don't, you should bet plus 290 to win the Western Conference Northwest or win the division, the championship plus 290 Northwest Division. That's my take. Yeah, I like it. All right, that's going to do it for Buckets. I appreciate you guys being with us. You can follow the Future Jays on Twitter and in the Action Network app at TurvyBets or at Joe Delera. Back tomorrow night with Jay Money, who's back from vacation, as well as I'll grab Andrew O'Connor Watts for best bets. Then we'll be off and running throughout the week. Appreciate you guys being with us. Reminder, check out Brandon Anderson's uh, Twitter page for a look at that GoFundMe. My thanks to David Payne, our producer. He's on vacation. Hope he's wrapping up. My thanks to Matt Mitchell and Brendan, our new new fill-in, uh, for helping us out with getting us up on YouTube or on podcast form and our video team for getting us up on YouTube.com slash The Action Network. Thanks for joining us. Have yourselves a great week. Until we talk again, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.